My name is Sonia Brock, and I'm podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. My first husband, Bob Bates, got a job teaching on an Indian reservation called Atikameg, which means little whitefish, so I went up north. By up north, I mean 200 miles north of Edmonton in Alberta, near Little Slave Lake. I was expecting at the time. Bates managed to burn the schoolhouse and teacherage down before I got up there. The house was heated by a cast-iron stove, wood-fueled, of course. The cold kept him from carrying the ashes and cinders out too far from the house. He threw them in the snow next to the house in the full belief that the snow would put them out. The live coals, in with the cinders, burned through the snow all the way down to the wood foundations of the house, and up she went. That schoolhouse fire was the biggest excitement of the winter. All the kids showed up, and as Bob and the adult Indian workers tried to throw the school books out to save them, the kids threw those books right back in the fire. Take good aim, throw that book back in the fire. Their aim was very good. I guess they weren't into book learning. The only place left for us to live was a little Indian log cabin way up on the hill in Indian territory rather than Anglican mission territory. They got horses and men and everything trying to drag that thing down to the Anglican settlement, but it gets 30 below up north. Frost and cold had a good grip on the foundation. That cabin was not moving. We settled in up there, which was considered a great shame. That little log cabin was really snug. The old house, which had burned down, would have been cold and drafty. They'd build them like regular frame houses down further south. This was far, far north and really cold. The only time it warmed up was when the Chinook came over the mountains carrying a warm wind from the ocean current, the Pacific. From Fahrenheit, 30 degrees below, it would sweep up to 20 degrees above zero in about an hour. Something to look forward to. Now, I was a solitary soul. Folks up there naturally expected I would visit with some of the more Christianized Indians and the daughters of the Hudson's Bay Post Factor and so forth. Well, I like to read and think and do things with my hands. Now I had lots of time to do that. Reading was precious. I had one book of literate horror stories. Most other books had gone up in flames. I remember reading Kafka's Metamorphosis, and I would allow myself something like three pages a day so that I wouldn't run out of reading. As the days went by, I got bigger and bigger because, hey, I was expecting. Bates settled into teaching with some disturbances. The Indian boys liked to slip shotgun shells into the cast-iron stove, which gave the subsequent explosion a really satisfying reverb. We have some pictures of them. I've got them now, pictures of the Indian boys riding quarter horses, dressed in cowboy regalia, riding bareback, and doing it very well. For me, it's a strange image with them all dressed up as cowboys. I guess they believed in sticking with the winning side. The preacher man was British, as was his wife. 
He was about 70 and had spent many years in the frozen north as an Anglican missionary to the Indians. The Indians on this reserve, by the way, were nomadic Cree. They had a special way of looking at time which was embedded in their language and in their culture. This made for some problems when it came to court cases, because the past to them was apparently yesterday or many moons ago, nothing in between. This made where were you on the night of such and such a little bit precarious. I don't know what the future tense was like, or if they even had one. All I heard about were the legal matters. The Indians were fishermen and hunters, and they worked on the oil rigs from time to time. For fishing in winter, they cut a hole in the ice, and it was proprietary. Whoever cut the hole could fish there and no one else. I found that out after a polite visitor informed me. If you did catch a fish, all you had to do was throw it up on the roof of the cabin where dogs or bears couldn't get at it, and the fish was frozen in no time. I stayed up there until my time had almost come, and then was driven over washboard roads made of logs laid sideways to the direction of the road. Bump de bump de bump. I stayed with an older Alberta couple called the Reagans until it was time to head for the hospital. They had a treadmill sewing machine, and I was learning to sew on it. They told me there was another lady in town who read books. I went to visit her through streets with snow piled up at the sides higher than my head. I knocked on her door and waited and waited. I knocked again and waited. I heard a strange shuffling sound. Curiosity held me in place until, finally, the door opened to reveal an enormously fat woman. She invited me in, and we had a cup of tea and talked about books. She liked romances, and her favorite book of all time was called The Secret Garden. More later on my Bush Hospital experiences, because that's another story. This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario. I can be reached through my website at soniabrock.com, S-O-N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K.